What's up, everyone? I'm Catherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. This episode, Todd McDonald is on as per usual, but this time he talks about his recent blog post titled The Emergence of Enterprise Tokens. Then we have Austin Moothart, a solution architect from R3, and he discusses some technical terms that I personally hear floating around the office but don't really understand. Our special guest of the hour is Kari Larson from the law firm Reed Smith, who talks about regulatory matters and compliance risks in regard to blockchain, Bitcoin, fintechs, you name it. It's a great episode, so stay tuned. Todd, let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room. What's that, Catherine? We, I know we put on a good face, but you and I have had some, some issues in the past 24 hours. That we're fighting? Yeah, we're fighting. Yes. We've been talking all day through other people, and I want to formally apologize for not showing up to your band last night, The Confessionals. Uh, I will accept your apology. Do you have um, a caveat? With a caveat. <laughs> this is like uh, therapy through podcasting. Yep. Um, let's get through this together, but uh, you have to promise to go to the next show. I promise. I promise. If I can get can you I a ticket. Can I say I had? Oh, that's true. Can I say I had a very good excuse? However, I was going to run out of I, my. I'm, I'm not going to listen, but go ahead. My physical. I had physical therapy. I need to get get my shoulder, my body right, so I can dance appropriately to your band. <laughs> <laughs> that that that, end, that excuse ended pretty well. So thank you. I accept it. <laughs> I'm, let's move. Let's move on. I'm so happy we we're, we're accepting and moving on. Um, I heard it was an amazing concert, but I will not embarrass you any further. However, however, I heard you had a great drumming face. I do. Uh, there's no there's no stopping my drumming face. I've okay, tried. good. Yeah, I'll have to see it. All right. So, how has your last few weeks been? I haven't. Now we got that out of the way. We needed to because I felt this weight to now lift it off my shoulders. Um, you, we haven't talked in a few weeks on the mm-hmm. podcast. What's been going on? What has been going on? So, uh, well, there's been quite a bit for the summer. We have well, Court Enterprise has been released. Yay! Woohoo! That's been great. Um, very busy in all things Corda. Uh, I've been spending a lot more time on. The token space. Uh, mm-hmm. So I put out a blog post, I guess, probably in between when we spoke last. Yep. Uh, it's called The Emergence of Enterprise Tokens. So that's been sort of top of mind for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been taking long walks and <laughs> thinking about all this <laughs> stuff for a while. Um, and the very quick summary of that is looking at tokens, security tokens, all of this uh, stuff uh, from the perspective of what we what we have been doing in Corda and one of the things I realized when I was looking back over the last couple of years is that we've actually been doing a lot of things that could be called tokens, but we really haven't been speaking in that language. So, mm-hmm. so what everyone's trying to do is trying to figure out how you call what – what do you call all these things? In fact, I think it was uh, this morning someone said, I'm so sick of the word taxonomy, but unfortunately I'm going to talk about <laughs> taxonomies. Um, so there's kind of really – two areas that I talk about. Uh, one is what we've done a lot on, which is a depository receipt, which is very simply an asset that's sitting somewhere in custody, usually, uh, for what we're working on. And there's a token that represents the asset, and the token moves around while the asset is very happily ensconced in a regulated custodian. Um, there's Then there's the whole other bucket is native assets, where the token is the asset. And that goes all the way from a company issuing uh, debt or equity uh, in the form of a token, all the way to uh, protocol tokens and utility tokens and crypto kitties and all that good stuff. Uh, so it's a really, really 
uh, wide spectrum, and there's a lot to be defined. And I've been having a lot of conversations with a lot of really smart folks around this space. Mm -hmm. And in fact, just today, I realized it kind of feels like 2013-14 when, I guess, you know, Wall Street and and some uh, the financial uh, industry was looking at Bitcoin and blockchain, trying to figure out what it was all about. Mm -hmm. This is very similar to that. Now, a bit of a smaller scale, but taking a look at all that's happened in the last 18 months around, you know, quote-unquote ICOs and, and, and the securitization of all things, and how can that be reinterpreted into uh, using existing tools that have stood the test of time and, and regulation and fitting into the plumbing of today's financial world, but actually taking the innovation on. So there's a ton there, and there's a, there's, this is also a lot of fun because every three days uh, there's more uh, research and thinking and more things coming online around it. So that's uh, been top of mind for me, and kind of packaged in all that, there's uh, there's a lot nested in here. One is around regulation. So mm-hmm. there's increasing, I think, uh, acceptance that most things will be conce- are considered a security token. And basically, there's Bitcoin and, and Ether and then everything else is uh, uh, will be in, in question to be maybe deemed a security. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're, you're seeing that in, impact uh, crypto markets. So there's been kind of odd trading in crypt- crypto markets where Bitcoin's doing pretty well and everything else is not doing that great. Yeah. Um, so that's another theme. There's the, regula- the regulatory communities, I think, getting their head around a few things. CFTC said, I think it was today or yesterday, that they're behind the curve on, on blockchain. And, and we know that G20 and others, are, they're looking at how they can uh, give guidance. Because I, I think what could happen is, like we were talking about with security tokens and, and Corda, I think the regulators are trying, trying to take a look at what's the good bits to uh, take advantage of the, the innovation side while yeah. they're tamping down on some of the very funny yet quite serious scams and other yeah. things that are going on that we've talked about uh, yeah, on, this, uh, on this show. And then I guess the other thing related to that, there's been uh, another theme we've talked about is sort of no loyalty in smart contract platforms. So Ethereum, there's been a few research pieces out around around uh, Ethereum and Ether and the value prop as Tetris Capital put out a really long piece that's getting a lot of play around uh, their thesis around what are the risks of, to the, of the entire Ethereum platform and the value of Ether. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, the new platforms that are being rolled out like uh, EOS and Definity and others. Yeah. Um, but also it's like what's, what traction is actually happening in this decentralized application or dApp world. So if you look, I think it's like the, the only dApps on um, Ethereum that are getting any use are actually Literally Ponzi schemes. They're, they are self-announced <laughs> Ponzi schemes, and they're getting a ton of action. And then there's Augur, uh, which has gotten some traction. How do you spell that? Uh, Augur, A-U-G-U-R. Mm, Augur. Not how I would have thought. Please use it in a sentence. <laughs> country, <laughs> country of origin. Um, <laughs> the, and, and they have uh, had the pleasure of having assassination markets being formed on Augur. So it's a prediction market, so you can okay. predict, you know, will Trump be... Uh, impeached or not, so things like that, but also, you know, assassinations. It, I, you, know, you don't know what I to don't say. I even know what to say to that. It's That's crazy. 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 That's very interesting. Do you use that example in your blog post? No, it's just, this That's has good. been recent, and there's been some, uh, some of the more staunch, uh, I guess, crypto-libertarian folks that are trying to spin this as a positive. So huh. it's all quite interesting on the crypto Twitter. Yeah. Oh, always is. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's a great post. Uh, you have 403 claps on it. That's really good. Well, have you clapped yet, Catherine? Oh, I've, oh, I, of course. Yeah. So you participate <laughs> in my blog, just not my, my band show. That's fine. I, I lied. I said I was over it, and it was a total lie. Oh, man. Well, yeah, this is a great blog post. It's on our Medium page called The Emergence of Enterprise Tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about anything else? The cake looks amazing. It looks amazing. Yeah. We, uh, Did you get to are, eat the cake? I didn't. Because this that's, is in London. This is in London, yeah. yes. And so we, in our London office, we have, uh, we're definitely uh, falling way, way behind. Bobcheck's wife. Oh, yeah. Big thumbs up. Great pastries. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Catherine. I'm here with Austin Moothart, a solutions engineer from R3. Austin, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Catherine. So what exactly is a solutions engineer before we get into the whole thing? Sure, yeah. So solutions engineer can mean a lot of things. But in our case, what we're doing is we're helping clients adapt their business use cases to Corda. So a lot of people need to know how to use it and you know, understand what their use cases look like on the blockchain. So we come in and help adapt and bridge that gap. And additionally, we also do a lot of training around, uh, so you'll see us around the office doing a lot of classes with developers and helping ramp up technical folks into the Corda ecosystem. Yeah, you're always back here presenting to a bunch of uh, Corda clients. Can we call them Corda clients? Yeah, developers, clients, members, developers, consultants, all the like. And that's the that's the one day a month I get dressed up in a suit. <laughs> I love it. You can rock both. You can rock the hoodie and the suit, and that is very that's very good. It's a talent. It's the way it should be. It is. So you're here to talk about some of the technical terms that have floated under <laughs> over my head. Oh, I ruined the <laughs> delivery. I said under, not over. <laughs> it's okay. We're still going to go with it. But I don't, shh, let's talk about some technical terms. We're not going to do float yet, but yeah, I was going to say, I, we, like I, I can, I can float that. the float over your head. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we really need to ramp up to that. I need yes. to be in the right mind we'll, space. I'm ready to talk about we'll blobs. We'll start some yeah, basic, shapeless, <laughs> formless things. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Austin, tell me, what is a blob? Sure. And and it's kind of right. It's such a random term, and it's 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 strange that we expect people to understand what a blob would mean. Uh, you know. Thank you. Yeah. So don't don't worry about it. This is very normal. And you know, computer scientists and engineers and developers, we joke about this a lot. How one of the hardest problems in computer science is actually naming things. So this is. <laughs> pretty normal that people don't really understand these these crazy words we come up with. So in any case, then this the blob in this case stands for a binary large object. And that's it. It's really just a bag of bits. That mm-hmm. it really is a representation for a file or an image or an attachment of some kind. And that's it. So it's like it's like an actual blob of information. Yep, binary information, right? So it's a whole bunch of ones and zeros, which no, none of neither you nor I could read, but a machine. For can. sure, not me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't live in the matrix. I don't. Oh, I yeah, know. It's such a shame. Yeah. Um, okay, that actually makes things a lot easier for me to digest. So I have to hit you with one more. Sure. Um, what is a doorman 
other than the man who people with more money in New York City have sitting at the bottom of their building. Yeah, I certainly don't have a doorman at my building. But <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> okay. I'm on like a massive walk up. <laughs> it takes me 20 minutes to get upstairs. Oh, that's, that's your gym. That's your CrossFit. Yes. <laughs> it really makes me feel better when I don't go to the gym. Yeah, I'm like, well, exactly. I walked upstairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a doorman. Yes. Yeah, so what we do is that since Corda was founded on a lot of tenants of privacy, we need to enforce that privacy. And what you're going to be hearing a lot about more and more in the coming days and months around Corda is a lot about our networks. And so we have to make sure that the membership in those networks stays private. And the service that we have that does that is actually called the doorman service. And from a technical perspective, what that means is that the doorman will hand out identities to nodes on the network and allow them to make to transact with other nodes on the network, right? Mm -hmm. So in this case, it'll allow them to say, this is Catherine's node or this is Austin's node, and they're on the network and able to do business. Okay. That makes sense. So it is actually like a doorman. These, To me, these uh, terms, at least blob and doorman, do make sense in like a very high-level sense, obviously. Um, because they're doing what, I mean, it's a blob and it's a doorman. It makes sense. Yeah, we try. <laughs> a little bit. I know yeah, it's a lot more complicated than you're uh, alluding to, which yes. is, um, thank you, Austin, for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more to this. And this is really where the solutions engineer comes into play, right? This is where we say, okay, we go to a client and we explain the doorman in deeper detail. Do you really need one? Can you mm-hmm. use R3's doorman? Where does the identity come from? What happens when you take away an identity? I could go on and on. We do full classes on this. But in this Mm -hmm. case, we'll keep it simple. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. For people who do want to learn more about this stuff in more depth, definitely check out Corda Training. We have Corda Boot Camps. We have all that stuff. So be sure to check out our resources. So thank you so much for coming on, Austin. You bet. It's a pleasure to be here. been looking forward to this. I'm here with Kari Larson from Reed Smith. Hi, Kari. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners? Sure. So I am Kari Larson. I am with Reed Smith, a law firm. I am the co-lead of Reed Smith's global fintech practice. And my particular practice focuses on commodities with a specialty in the fintech space, so blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Awesome. So how uh, did you first get exposed to blockchain technology? I, I came to it through the commodity world. So mm-hmm. my foundation is commodity lawyer. I started with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission originally. And then I worked in a, a firm for 10 years, and I always focused on innovative commodities and innovative financial products, with a particular focus back then on environmental commodities, renewable energy, emission allowances, and those types of products. And I loved the development of a new finan- brand new financial product just created out of thin air that had a purpose in society. And uh, and I felt it was a great market solution for a global problem mm-hmm. and uh, and fun to work on something new where everything was uh, uh, an interesting mental challenge. How do you handle this? How does this work? How, how do you deliver these? How do you uh, 
how do you lend these? How mm-hmm. you know all those types of things? And uh, so then I I actually went in house. To focus on that, I was the general counsel for uh, a company called the Green Exchange, which was an environmental futures exchange. Mm-hmm. And it was subsequently acquired by CME Group. And then I was referred to a group that was starting a brand new exchange that was focused on Bitcoin. And that oh. was LedgerX. Cool. So I was general counsel of LedgerX for a few years and helped them with their application to the CFTC. They are a swap execution facility and a designated clearinghouse, and their focus is on cryptocurrency derivatives. So I was with them for a few years, and uh, and and again found the product like a, a you know a lot of similarities to the environmental products, a brand new commodity, a brand new currency mm-hmm. uh, created and with uh, with a purpose, the decentralization, the the addressing the you know federal control of money and value and store of value, and I thought it was just such a such a, a fascinating area and technology. And then uh, one of my best friends from my prior firm moved to Reed Smith, and he asked me to join, and I did in 2016. And that's when I started there uh, with their fintech practice. That's amazing. I like that you use the words fascinating and fun to describe <laughs> blockchain. Because <laughs> it is. It really is. It is. Yeah. I think it's super, super fascinating and fun. So I have a two-part question here. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys at Reed Smith doing with blockchain? Like, what are your um, initiatives that you're involved in? And um, second part, are you more focused on how blockchain can help your clients or how blockchain can help with your business processes? So I guess let's focus on the first one. Yeah. We are participating in a few initiatives. We're members of the Chamber of Digital Commerce, for example, and we are constantly looking at various groups we participate in some uh, in some committees and some conference groups uh, and we are always helping our clients that that have a, a significant and broad involvement in the blockchain from the cryptocurrency space to the actual underlying technology financial services uh, retail services energy entertainment and media yeah. uh, advertising, it really spans. Uh, uh, it's it's it, it suits us because we are a global firm yeah. with a wide variety of practice areas, and blockchain so far touches on almost all of them. Tax, insurance. We help clients with ransomware issues, for example, and things like that. So it's it's pretty broad. Um, so we do a lot of of monitoring involvement. We wrote a, a blockchain white paper that you can get from our website. And oh, we great. recently published it uh, March. And awesome. uh, it's almost, I think it's over 100 pages. It's, it, it touches on the technology, on regulation, global regulation, as well as the various industries and the use cases. That's so, great. Yeah. We'll have to link to that for the podcast. The second part, though, of your question, <laughs> where we talked about, you know, what are we doing? Well, one of the reasons I was drawn to Reed Smith is that it really does focus on innovation. And, and it's very supportive of innovation, both internally for Mm -hmm. itself and externally. So it has a fascinating data and technology group where uh, we both do significant work for clients globally in the data privacy and data governance and data monetization, but also sort of on, you know, the law firm's issues of its own data. And Mm -hmm. we have a team that focuses on innovation for the law firm itself. So we have met with blockchain vendors to look at record keeping for our own client uh, 
uh, data and for uh, agreements where we're combining AI and potentially blockchain for uh, agreement tracking with uh, mergers and acquisitions and for potential disputes. And uh, and so far, I think it is still very much in the beta stage. What we're yeah. what we're looking at, it's early days, and there is the issue, which is a little bit of a struggle generally with blockchain of the confidentiality and the transparency. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much transparency do we need? And for a law firm, the answer is none. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there is a little bit of where where does it best fit? Where is it not a solution in search of a problem, but in, but a but a problem where it's the appropriate solution? But mm-hmm. that is something that the firm experiments with and and looks to solve for its clients. And we did, for example, we've we created our own apps. We have a data breach app that clients can wow. download and just go through and click their, you know, it, what, what happened and what states did it touch, et cetera, et cetera, and come out with an answer because that type of work has already been commodified enough that it makes yeah. sense that you want to get down to the real issue and then, you know, then call a law firm to help. So, so cool. We look so for innovative hip. solutions. <laughs> Very hip. You guys at Reed Smith. Uh, yeah, that is exactly, you nailed it. That is exactly how I would describe us. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to being hip, you are a hip woman in the blockchain space. Yes. <laughs> so what is it like being a woman in this space? Uh, we talked about going to meetups and trying to expand this community yeah. um, before recording, but I think it is kind of hard because there are so many men in this space. Yeah. I I go to a lot of conferences. I speak uh, often on uh, blockchain it. and cryptocurrencies. And, uh, and, yeah, I'm often the only woman on a panel. Uh, and there's a little bit more perhaps in my area because there's more in the legal and regulatory realm as mm-hmm. opposed to the strict – developer where mm-hmm. there's even less that you see yeah. um, but it's still it, it's still uh, uh, limited and it is joyful we have a we have a, an attorney one of my colleagues in our San Francisco office that is a blockchain programmer and awesome. she's a tech attorney she's an IP and tech attorney and uh, yeah I was just delighted and when when she came to New York for an event we talked for like an hour just gabbing and it is great when you uh, encounter someone, encounter another woman in this space, and uh, it's you just tell a few war stories. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's there's definitely efforts out there to mm-hmm. uh, to. We were talking earlier about meetups, and there are women in crypto meetups here, often in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm a little less sure how how robust they are in other cities. You know, yeah. probably pretty pretty good in San Francisco and and New York, and a little less so elsewhere, but. Um, there's efforts to to, to uh, support the community for sure, and I think that we could use more. Yeah, definitely. We can bind together and create one our own. Yeah, on our own. <laughs> we have actually some really great um, developers at R three that are that are women, but we need more. It's like yeah. the ratio is just so it's, it's not where it should be. Right. Um, and there are so many different, obviously, roles in the blockchain space. Yeah. And media communica- communications. It is. Yep. And it's sales and and there's, you know, obviously legal and mm-hmm. regulatory but design and, yeah. and, you know, and industry experts because you really yeah. need the melding of the two. 
Yeah, there are some pretty badass women in the space, though, I will say. Oh, yeah. We just need them on the podcast. So I read a recent Coindesk article titled, uh, Regulators Could Take Away Blockchain's Efficiencies, Congressman Warns. Um, so do you think this is possible? I, I'm not that uh, up to date on regulatory affairs, so uh, I'd love to hear from you. I think it's unlikely Mm-hmm. But it is possible. Uh, regulators struggle a little bit uh, with anything new. And even if the regulators themselves, as people, don't struggle with it, they struggle with how it fits into the regulatory regime mm-hmm. over which, you know, which, which, which they govern. And uh, some of those really, you know, the, the securities laws, for example, there's a lot of discussion about ICOs and securities regulations. And securities regulations are 100 years old, developed over, you know, case law over decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're designed for a paper certificate with a stamp of an eagle on it. They're not, <laughs> you know, designed for tokens. And, and so... It's a little bit of a struggle, and and people you often hear people say, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and there is a little bit of that. I've never heard that. Oh, really? That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm using it a lot. <laughs> and that's that is a little bit. They look of how how it can fit into yeah. their regime and have it be sort of the normal. But there's also uh, the experience with the internet and how we as a country and a world were able to develop because of the initial freedom given to the developers of the technology. And I do think that there is an awareness of that mm-hmm. um, with regulators, with legislators of of not to be too harsh, not to be too constricting where they can help it. Mm-hmm. There's a few areas, though, that will always be problematic and, and with, like, a decentralized technology, and one of that is anti-money laundering. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's definitely a drive to centralize that because they want to know who is behind the transactions. And so for that's a, that's a, a continuing issue for a global economy generally mm-hmm. and will continue to be an issue, uh, you know, the digital, solving the digital identity uh, problem in a way that suits a blockchain solution as well as suits regulators' need to prevent money laundering <laughs> and terrorist funding yeah. is where the you know the real intersection is important. So I, I think that's one because they're going to drive decentralization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is clearing. I think that most people in this space would say clearing is a, a you know blockchain. Uh, Technologies, grand smart contracts, are a great solution for clearing. It takes out, you know, the inefficiencies. It'll be much faster. It'll be automated, uh, and you don't have to have your money sitting, you know, in a space unusable. Uh, and that's all true. But that's going to be hard for for regulators to get to yeah. acceptance of that because part of the clearing is protecting of the customers and protecting of the institution and protection of the market. And it's a central solution. Yeah. So there will be there will be those struggles as we evolve. And I, I've often said, at least for my space in the commodity space, the problem is not the products. You know, the, the, it's it, you know, my personal opinion. They, these are commodities. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe not 
not all of them necessarily on the character. There's so many characteristics and so on. But tokens, <laughs> cryptocurrencies, they're, they, they, they fit neatly into the commodity bucket as is defined, which is a very broad bucket yeah. in fairness. But the products are, are commodity products, commodity derivatives, just like any. They can be volatile. They can be a store of value. Uh, they're, um, they're, they're traded constantly, and that is true of a lot of existing commodities today, metals products, energy products, things like that. So it's, it, that's not really where there will be a struggle. Where there will be a struggle is when you talk about a decentralized exchange mm-hmm. and clearing through smart contracts and they're going to want to know who you know where 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 is the buck stop who's yeah. who's the end responsible and that's going to be a challenge and that will probably take some rewriting of the regulations to really be able to to have that type of technology and be in compliance with the regulations yeah, this sounds very complex to me. <laughs> I'm happy I'm not one of the people trying to figure that out. <laughs> Just trying to run a podcast. All right. I'll, it will it'll definitely take real collaboration between regulators yeah. and industry. It'll take a lot of education and a lot tough. of collaboration. Yeah. And this technology is so new, and so we, we have time to... To figure it out. We do. We do. And they're trying. A lot of them are trying. There's the Blockchain Caucus within Congress that yeah. is really making efforts for education. There's it, it, the CFTC. It's Lab CFTC, which is not just for blockchains, for fin- yeah. tech generally. But they're very active in meeting with industry participants to see where they see solutions. Like they see that blockchain might be a great solution for reporting mm-hmm. in particular. So they're, they're definitely looking at what's out there. Well, that is a great sign. Uh, I'll report on it when uh, things get sorted out. <laughs> Until then, I am probably going to take a back seat. Um, all right. Thank you so much, Kari. It was my pleasure, Heather. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. I hope you learned as much as I did. The next episode will feature Aishwarya Balaji, co-founder and CEO of Impact Chain Lab. You do not want to miss it. Let me know what you think of the podcast and this episode by tweeting at me at bread and rudder. It's like bread and butter, but replace the second B with an R. I should probably change that soon.